Hello and welcome to another episode of Cut the BS. In this conversation, I'm joined by Chantelle, our recruitment manager at Latte. Today, we're chatting about salary, including current salary bans for PR, talent market trends, and how to negotiate salary with confidence. Welcome, Sean. Hi. Good to have you here. Yes, thank you for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. This is our third time doing a podcast, so the nerves are slightly moving along. Yeah, I feel fine. Yeah, oh, good. Yeah, I okay. Right. <laughs> I, I feel nervous. I feel like I've got to think about what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, let's kickstart this with a LinkedIn poll that we ran to the PR and social media talent market. And we asked them, how confident are you in asking for a pay rise? And the options were, I'm very confident. It's a bit awkward. And I could never. What do you think came out on top as the highest result? It's interesting because my immediate thought, like as myself, would have been like, no, I hate confrontation. I would never, ever go in and ask one. But having spoken to a lot of people in PR for three and a half years, there's a lot of confidence in the industry. I think it would still feel awkward, but I think people in PR would would still have that conversation and ask for those pay rises. Yeah, you're right. Uh, 56% said it's a bit awkward, but Mm. they would still feel comfortable to ask (laughs) ask for a pay rise. They're very confident and know their worth and are willing to to not back down. Yes. And they will voice their opinions. When I was working an intern role for one of our clients, one of them came back about the salary. Um, It was 22K for the first month. They were like, this is disgusting. This is despicable. You shouldn't be paying that. It's illegal. And I was like, it's literally for the first month. People still do unpaid internships, which I think are awful. But a paid internship is still a month's worth of Yeah, it was London living wage. So do you think for entry-level talent that's coming through, sometimes they're shooting themselves in the foot with negotiating a salary? It's really difficult because obviously life is more expensive now um, and we're living in a time where like every penny counts. So I understand Mm. why someone would want a bit more. Um, But for entry level, you obviously have no experience. And so if you're asking for a salary, which is similar to someone who's got a year's experience, because account executives start at like, what, 25, 26? If you're asking for that, you are going to shoot yourself in the foot because an agency will think, well, I could get someone with eight to 10 months experience for that. Yeah, it's interesting. And the difficulty with PR, especially agency side, is that it's so that there's such a structure to how the salaries work pretty much Mm -hmm. across the industry and for all different um, sectors of PR as well. So if you're trying to push yourself immediately into an AE or an SAE salary sometimes when you've got no experience, it's a bit ludicrous. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Yeah. So I I think after COVID, there's been a a fairly constant shift in salaries Mm -hmm. over a two-year period every six months salaries have been changing and we've seen that that's starting to plateau out a little bit now where candidates that are coming through are generally asking for the salary within the salary bandings Mm. and if they're outside of that then we can manage them back into it where as we couldn't do that before what do you think has caused that constant shift in salary expectations in the PR sector? Yeah, it's interesting. I think because everything has suddenly just got so expensive, people are like, I can't live on what so the normal salary for an AE, what, two years ago was twenty three. Mm, yeah. Um, that you can't live in London on that anymore. And especially if you're expected to travel into the office. I get a lot of candidates ask me, Oh, is my travel covered? Which is normally expected to be within your salary. Yeah. I think when you're thinking about everything that you have to pay for every month, it's just not livable to do yeah. it. Um when you look at other sectors of, and especially um, I had someone tell me like, oh, 
okay, I've got two years PR experience, but I could get more money in an admin role or a receptionist role at like 35K. So I think it's that, that they're comparing it to. Other industries have increased. And so PR naturally has to kind of follow that trend. I think another reason for the the constant shift is after COVID, everyone stopped hiring at entry level. Yes. And so that then had a knock-on effect where in a year's time, there were no AEs that were moving um, or JEs moving up through to AE. There were, and then the next year, there were no AEs moving to SAE. And the next year, which is I think no. where we're at now, yeah. there's no SAEs moving to AM, which is why it's so difficult for PR agencies and social mm-hmm. agencies to hire account managers. Yeah. Do you think that's fueled? the the quick progressions that we're seeing and the quick promotions? Yes, I think so. You need yeah. someone to fill that gap. And so you kind of just hope that they can do it. Yeah. And I think once you start doing it with a few people, everyone's like, well, they got promoted in six months, so why can't I? Mm. And then you've got that issue where it's like, oh, if I don't give this person the promotion, they'll probably leave my agency and they'll get it elsewhere. I think that's one of the challenges as well is because in PR, you cannot join the sector mm. f- from any other industry and then go in at account manager or account director level. Mm. And as much as managing directors say, oh, no, we're flexible on experience, we then send CVs from digital yeah. or, <laughs> you know, we'll send them from journalism and some get picked up. But in reality, you've got a fixed talent pool size. Yeah. And if all of the agencies are needing account managers, then where do you go? You go to SAE and hire up quickly yep. and promote quickly. One of the, the key things is just because you saw a colleague get a promotion at the eight month mark doesn't necessarily mean you are ready for that as well. Yeah. And so what do you think a candidate needs to look at to find out what they're worth and if they're ready for that promotion? What are the key factors? Yeah, I think this is applicable to all industries as well. Um, I think there are so many different factors and it's quite specific onto the person, the role and the agency that you're in. But I think the biggest thing that you need to do is do your market research. And sometimes that's where a recruiter can come in and they can tell you what they're seeing in the market. Um, They can probably give you more tips and advice on like how your skill set sits broader Mm. um, in terms of everyone else in the market. I think you... You don't want to go in all guns are blazing. Salary brackets are there for a reason. Um, so, so, for instance, if you're an SAE stepping up into an AM role and you want to go at 38K, you're going against people who have got eight months experience in an, an AM role who have slowly grown up to that salary. Yeah. I think you need to be realistic. I understand, you know, that money is super important, but... When you go in at a salary, you're expected to perform at that salary. So if you're going in at 38K when you haven't been an AM yet, an agency or a company wants to see that you're worth that 38K. Otherwise, there are going to be some tough conversations down the line. If you start at 35 and in three to six months, you really show that you're really good at your job and you deserve that pay rise, that's when you can get up to the 38 and there's less pressure on you. Um, So research, I think, is the big thing that you need to do. And I also think when you go in for that conversation... You want to make sure that you've got your facts there about like what you've done and how you've grown in the role. But I don't think you want to go in and being like, this is why I deserve a pay rise Mm. because X, Y and Z and my colleague is on this and I believe that I should be on that. I think it needs to be more of an open conversation and that can vary depending on the relationship that you have with your manager and the company. Yeah, that's good advice. What's the most ridiculous salary expectation you've had a kind of walk in and say, I want this? I've had someone who had come in with six months intern experience for um, going for an account executive wanted 33k. Oh my god. Yeah. And I was like, well, this sits within the agency's SAE bracket. I know you're not going to get that. Obviously, it's not for me to dictate your 
salary. You're doing the job day in, day out. But just to let you know, this will probably get you a no straight off. You won't secure an interview. Um, And they were very, very adamant that, you know, they'd studied a good degree at a very well-known university. And that was a reason why they deserved more money. Interesting. Do you think they'll get it? They got rejected. Ah, (laughs) (laughs) I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Do you think they'll get it somewhere else in the market or is it or it's just going to be ridiculously difficult and they'll keep getting knockbacks? I think it's going to be difficult because their six month of intern experience is quite niche. It wasn't Mm. at like a broad consumer agency or a broad corporate agency. It was in like design and arts Mm. world. And that I think obviously that maybe if they go into a design and arts agency or brand they might get that but they wanted to do broader consumer Mm. and so I think they're going to keep getting knockbacks but there might be that one agency that thinks you know let's just give it a go because we need someone and and they were available immediately so that also plays into it yeah interesting if you are asking for salary outside of that salary band you better have some points as to why you are backing that up beyond I went to a good university and you know I've got five minutes in PR. Yeah, because I think, especially on that university topic, like there are some people who didn't go to university who are amazing at their job. And Mm. just because they didn't do an English degree at like a red brick uni Mm. doesn't mean that they can't write a press release. I think it's, um, and I think as the years go on, university seems not less important, but I mean, I've never use my degree and no one's ever asked me when I've got a job what did you get in your degree I could have lied yeah. like who knows yeah, do you actually have a degree Sean? I do <laughs> yeah I do okay so what about we flip it onto the hiring manager mm. side and and often that is in in small to mid-size it's normally the MD or director yeah. that we're dealing with mm. um, are there any ridiculous things that that come your way in terms of salary expectations or low ball offers, anything like that, where you just want to give some advice to this is if you want to attract talent, yeah, stop doing this ridiculous crap. Yes. Yeah. I still have some agencies say that they want an account director on 45, but right. that doesn't exist. I don't think anyone will secure an AD for 45 anymore. No. Um, and I've had quite a few people say that they want an account manager for 32 when we know in the industry that SAEs on average are at 32. So yeah. you're not going to take someone from an agency and put them on a SAE salary. Yeah. We had this recently with um, a small agency and they mm. said, look, we're a small agency. Therefore, our max salary for an AM is 35K. Mm. We've got flexible working and we've got some great benefits. And, the, and, and we kept saying to that MD, the market doesn't care about that. Flexible working isn't a benefit because everyone's offering that. And the reality is if an account manager, where where the starting salary, I think, what is it now? 36, 37? I think you can still get a new account manager for 35, but it's rare. Yeah. And I think it's to remember, it's like, it's your baby, but it's not everyone else's baby. People come to work and part of work is to get paid. Mm. And so they're not going to view it the same way as a founder is. Yeah. So I know that we give advice to candidates on how to uh, go in and ask for their salary. Yeah. And it's interesting when we, we talk about this because I say it with such confidence of like, this is how you do it. <laughs> and not once in my career did I ever have the confidence to ask for a pay rise. Yep. Um, but, you know, good on them that the market's changing. Yes. What's your advice for uh, hiring managers that want to negotiate salary? Do you think there is space in the market to do that? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Because obviously when you send someone across at 38, they then move them forward based on that but it's difficult because you're seeing someone on a piece of paper in an email you're not meeting them in person mm. I think to get a, 
I think after the first stage interview, you should kind of have a better sense of where they sit and talk to either the candidate or the recruiter that sent them across. I really like them. I think I need to kind of dig a little bit deeper to see if they're worth that 38k. Could you check if there would be any flexibility before they then move to a second or a final stage? Because I think the difficult thing is, and I've had this with some candidates before where this has happened, you get to the final stage, you've done it all, you've put in all that time, effort and research outside of your job to interview with this agency and do a task to then be told, um, they're good, but they're not as good as they think they are. It's like, yeah. what, why wasn't this brought up a bit earlier? Yes, it feels insulting. It does, yeah. Um, so I think for hiring managers to, to to really assess on that first interview, yes, it's difficult. And you can say like, look, maybe they'll really impress me in the task and be worth that 38. But can we just see if there's a negotiation there? I think there's room for it at the end, depending on how the task is performed. Because mm. it might be that someone interviews amazingly well on the first stage, but their task lets them down. I think what you'd have to then be open to as a hiring manager is like, look, okay, if they come in at 36, we will work with them during their probation period. So be really clear on what they need to do in this three months. So by the time they pass probation, we can then get them to the 38. Yeah. And I think that's when there's room. I think if you just come in straight away and be like, no, we're only going to offer 36 and there's that's it. Yeah. You're going to lose out on that talent because I think someone else will do the 30. I think it's good advice. It's about setting the expectations mm. early on. And I feel like both candidates and clients fear that if they communicate really clearly mm. about a candidate or the candidate communicates clearly about their feelings about an agency, yeah. that the process will stop and everyone's going to pull out and it's all yeah. over Red Rover. But the reality is, as you just said, if you've interviewed someone and after first stage, you're like, hmm they're good, but I've got some concerns. We as a recruiter or you direct with the, the candidate can flag that to yeah. that talent and say, look, at the moment you've impressed, they really like X, Y, and Z, but their concerns are that you aren't yet operating at that higher level of an account manager that's worth this salary. Mm. So you're really going to have to knock it out of the park in the task to mm. show your expectations. Yeah. And then the expectation's been set. I Actually, this is a bit off topic, but my thing with PR agencies setting tasks mm. I really like the 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 point of doing that mm. and I think you should do it but one of the biggest issues we constantly see is that they set a task with limited information and then when they look at the response to the task and the way they interpret it. They say, oh, they missed this, they missed that, forgetting that they have all of this working knowledge yeah. of the client and what the client wants in their brief and they're applying the client's lens rather than realising this candidate has no insight whatsoever. Yeah. It's so frustrating. It's really frustrating. And also it's like every agency works really differently. So this candidate isn't going to tackle a brief in the way that you do because they've been taught to do it in a different way. Yeah. It's just be, it's more about seeing how someone's brain works and looking and saying like, this person is really creative. Yeah. Maybe they haven't got the strategy down, but we can teach that in our way. But like finding the really unique thing about someone and being like, this is special. Mm. Everything else we can train, I think is what hiring managers and agencies need to remember. Yeah. And I think one way that candidates can tackle that and the advice that we give candidates when they're interviewing and presenting their response to task is at the start of your presentation, mm. set the parameters of how you interpreted the brief. Yeah. This is the brief that you gave. These are the parameters I set. I set my own budget. I've set my own target demographic because you didn't pro provide it. And I made some assumptions based on what I could see. Mm. At least then the interviewer then understands some of the framework of yeah. how you've tackled that brief. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. So when it comes to 
and negotiating salaries. Counter offers is something that's gone through the roof. Do you think a candidate should accept a counter offer for a high salary? And 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 is there scenarios where they should and where they shouldn't? It's quite situational, I think. If your if your only reason for looking to leave was salary because you love everything else, yeah, okay, accept the the counter. Um, you've wasted a lot of people's times, but yeah, accept it. That's fine. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, but I think. Sometimes that can be quite bedazzling when you've mm. been given a certain, it's the better the devil, you know, you've been working there for a year or yeah. two years and you've interviewed with another agency for two hours. So what do you really know about them? But I think it's to, I think always take a breath, like take a break, take a breath, take a step back, say to your hiring manager or whoever it is that gave you the counter, thank you. I'm flattered. Do you mind if I take some time to think about it? Call latte yes. and hash it out. Um, I think you always need to remember the reason why you're looking because sometimes a salary um, increase is just a band-aid on the problem. You'll be chasing yeah. it again down six months and the problem won't actually be fixed. Do you think candidates think we're trying to give them a sell when we tell them that? I think so. Yeah. yeah because, I mean, we're recruiters at the end of the day and, and it's sales. And so yeah. we have targets and they're aware that we have to get certain people across the line. But I think... Um, what, it's genuine because yeah. I, I wouldn't want to place someone in a role that isn't right. And so yeah. if them taking my role, it's three months they're going to quit. I don't want that. So I would yeah. rather them just be 100% sure. Yeah. And that's what we're there for, sounding boards. But if you're yeah. leaving because the culture's really bad or there's no progression or you want to change sectors, that your agency probably can't change. Exactly right. And that's what you said. It comes back to your reason for leaving. Do you think a PR agency should counter offer their talent that's leaving? Most of the time, no. And mm. it depends on the candidate because some of them are just wanting more money. Um, yeah. And I've seen that a lot where people have used an interview process to get more money from their current agency. Fine, like we said. Um, but there's usually something there that has made them want to explore another opportunity. And a lot of the times we see it's not really for the money. You can offer 2K more than what that agency has offered them. But most of the time, it's it's not a solution. You have to really look at like what their reason was for leaving and potentially change something within your business. But I think if someone's handing in their notice, they've mentally checked out by this they're point, they're ready out. to go. Yeah. yeah. And I think it could be a sign that have you created enough feedback loops in the business mm. where they've had to resign because something wasn't fixed? Yeah. You know, look, as you said, there's so many scenarios, but I think if we look at the the issues being on the PR agency, where it's a culture issue, a training development issue, have you created enough feedback loops or regular check-ins yeah. every three months? To be like, how are you finding it and creating an open space mm. where your team can say, actually, this is a little bit of a pain point for me. Yeah. And then that is something you can either fix and say, yeah, that's actually fixable. Or you can say, no, look, that's a reality of working here. Yeah. Um, we can't change that. Yeah, I think so. And there are like, so I had a um, a candidate who I've worked with since they got into PR now. So we're, we're like pretty close. Uh-huh. And um, when they were at their first agency, they were there for a good few years. But their goal was to do like big consumer creative campaigns. And that agency that they started at, they, they do it, but that's not their bread and butter. And they don't yeah. want to ever be that agency. So when that person left... There was nothing that their current agency yes. could do. They had to go for their own career. And the agency that they left understood that. There was yeah. nothing they could do to change. They left on good terms. So I think, and, and that candidate actually said to their hiring manager, 
I, I don't want you to even try counter-offering because mm-hmm. it's not worth it and it's not worth your time having to go and have a chat with the rest of the team yeah. to get that across the line. Like, I'm ready to go and there's nothing you can do. But I think um, this is where sometimes hiring managers and MDs get it wrong. They go, you know, okay, it's all about salary. Everyone just wants salary and mm. that's all they're, they're thinking is the issue when it's hiring talent in and, and how do we attract more people. Mm. And I feel like this is another whole podcast discussion, but getting your employer brand right yeah. matters and so does your reputation. Yeah, I think you need to do a deep dive into just your whole agency on a whole. It might be worth doing like anonymous surveys so your team can be honest with what they like, what they don't like, what needs to be improved. Um, mm. I think, and this isn't a sell for us, but I think speaking to a recruiter who is an external third party who has lots of different clients and could be like, this is what is really cool about your brand, but this is where you need to work and to kind of give some guidance. And we've done that a lot with so mm. many of our clients. This is where your employer brand sits. This is what other agencies are doing. It's not for us say, to mm. say that you have to do this, but just so you know what you're competing against. I think you need to kind of take a step back. We've all... We're all biased about where we work. Mm. Like, obviously, latte's your baby. You think mm-hmm. latte's the best thing oh, yeah, since sliced bread. It is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah, That's why you. I've been here for so long. <laughs> um, but, you know, what, like, you've got to look at a candidate and what they see and what their yeah. other options are. Um, yeah. And if the only thing you can offer is salary, I think you're going to really struggle. It blows my mind that PR agencies who are all about building and creating reputation <laughs> have a website that I could have created on Squarespace <laughs> and I've got no technical ability yeah. and there's only two people that are looking at that website, mm. two groups of people, candidates and clients. Why the hell does your website look so boring and dull and doesn't even showcase your culture or your work? Well, it blows my mind. Yeah, same. It's, it's ridiculous. For, for, for creatives as well and comms people, yeah. your website is a form of communication yeah. why don't you look it's a window into your soul yeah. yeah and that's I think for some agencies why why they struggle to attract talent because when they get when a candidate is getting multiple messages from lots mm. of different recruiters when a message seems interesting the first place they'll probably go is the website yes. when the website then doesn't reflect the message that the head the headhunt is they're like oh yes okay I'm yeah. not going to move forward with that. Yeah, this is a message to our yeah. clients and hiring managers. <laughs> hint, hint. Yeah. We can drive. Like, uh, uh, headhunt is like a press release. Yeah. It's timing and it's got to be a killer message. Mm. Then they will go and do their research. Mm. And if they do their research and your website's naff mm. and there's no information and I can't see any presence of you in the industry, mm. then we can't make that horse at the water drink. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 We can take the horse to water, but we can't make a drink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So on that note, Chantel, what's your final one piece of advice for hiring managers and for candidates when it comes to salary? I think for hiring managers, um, like take a step back and don't be so protective of your agency that you're trying to attract talent to. Mm -hmm. Um, At the end of the day, everyone's here to do a job and salary is part of that. I know when people say, oh, if they're only in it for the salary, then I don't want them to work here. It's like, well, no one's going to work for free. I think be open to those conversations. um, But again, don't be reactive. So Mm -hmm. someone says, I want a pay rise, say, right, appreciate that. I'm going to go and think about this and I'll come back to you with my thoughts. Um, And similar advice, I think, for candidates. I think um, be aware of your skill set. 
and also of your areas of development. We all have them. We're human. You know your things you need to work on before going into that meeting with your hiring manager, whoever it is, or your recruiter. I think just understand like where you sit and what's realistic of what you're going to get. Yeah, good advice. And a shameless plug, if you want more insight on salaries and market trends for talent in PR and social, head to our website, wearelatte.com, and you can download our salary guide from there. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks, Sean, for joining me. Thank you. If you have found this conversation useful, please share it and leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. Join us next time for another episode of Cut the BS.